We are in this season thinking about our identity and our identity in Christ and some of the biblical categories of identity that we have sort of lost in our larger world. So last week, we talked about heart, and we said that in the Bible, heart means choice or will, um, and ultimately relates to the character which is formed through the many choices that we make over time. Today, we're going to talk about mind. And I think like heart, mind is an idea that we struggle to, to understand from a biblical perspective. Uh, and boy, I think mind is just a, a complicated idea in general. Um, so um, just as when we talked about heart, we weren't primarily focused on the muscle that pumps blood through our body. So too, when we talk about the mind, we're not primarily just focused on um, the organ and our head. Um, we're going to think about the mind in a little different way. Um, I think we in general struggle a little bit with the mind and what it is and how it works. Um, I came across this, this quote this week. Can you put that first slide up? Um, my mind is like an internet browser. I have 19 tabs open, three are frozen, and I have no idea where the music is coming from. Um, just leave that up for a minute. Um, boy, there's some truth to that, right? Uh, that there are times when it feels like our mind is totally scattered and disorganized and confused, and just doesn't seem to be working the way we want it to work, right? You've, you've been there before, I think. Um, our mind also does weird stuff to us. Um, will you do the next slide for me? Um, just read that for a minute. Isn't that weird? Um, our, our, our brain, our mind, our brain plays these tricks on us, right, where sometimes the stuff we're thinking and feeling isn't even stuff that we intentionally decided to think or to feel. It just sort of happens, like words get rearranged from what they say to what we think they say. Uh, so, I'm really interested in this idea of how we understand our mind. Oh, I forgot. Um, I wanted to do… Um, wanted to do one little joke for all the mind readers. So, will you put this one up? Um, this is a joke for all the mind readers out there. Ha <laughs> ha! Okay, great. Um, thanks, that can go away. If they either got it or they didn't at this point, you know? Okay. Um, so, uh, when, when we talk about the mind in the Bible, we really mean two big ideas, okay? We mean thoughts and feelings. Thoughts and feelings. Uh, and, and when the Scriptures talk about the mind, and we hear a lot of language about it, um, it is obviously part of, of who we are, part of our identity. Um, unlike our heart, however, which is our choices and our will and our character, our, our thoughts and feelings aren't things that we can always directly control. You, you can't just sit there and say, I want to feel happy, or um, I want to only think about Jesus, right? It, it's a little more complicated than that. Uh, and there are times where our mind feels like a web browser, right? Where it feels that we have almost no control over it, and it's racing from thought to thought and idea to idea and feeling to feeling, and we don't even know why it's doing what it's doing. But we get a lot of Scripture that suggests that even though we don't have the same control over our minds as we do over our choices in our hearts, um, we do have some ability to influence them as they influence us. And we get Scripture, like we read earlier today, that says, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. And I think, when I think about the thoughts and the feelings of Jesus, I don't imagine they were like my web browser. 
I don't imagine that Jesus was constantly distracted and confused and overwhelmed and racing from thing to thing. I don't imagine that Jesus was at the mercy of whatever He felt at that moment. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. So the question is, how do we have influence over our minds? Um, And how do we experience what Paul talks about, the, the transformation that comes through the renewing of our mind? I want to suggest really simply today that although we don't directly control every thought and every feeling, yet through the power of Christ we can renew our minds uh, and shape who we are. If last week we said we are who we choose to be, um, this week we are what we choose to think about. We are what we choose to think about. So I want to think this morning about minds and about thoughts and feelings, and I want to start by talking about thoughts. Um, I came across a wonderful illustration by John Ortberg, and I'm just going to share it with you real briefly. Um, Ortberg imagines your brain as a line, and he says, uh, okay, so this is, your, this is your brain, and then on this line, there's, there's all these little thoughts, right? And, and, and maybe sometimes in your life, you have a season where, boy, it's just one thing after another after another, they just keep coming and keep coming, and you're having a hard time keeping up. Uh, Orbrook says sometimes um, maybe it's a little more calm, and you think about one thing for a while, and then another thing, and then something else. And maybe you have some seasons in your life where it just seems like today you are totally obsessed about one thing all day long. Um, But all of these thoughts um, come from all kinds of different sources. Remember, you don't have complete control over this, so some things you think happen because of your circumstances, right? Where you are and what's happening around you. Some of your thoughts come from your other thoughts, right? I was thinking about school, that made me think about homework, that made me think about housework, that made me think about fixing the kitchen. I mean, just, you know, you've done that, right? Sometimes your thoughts come from other people. In a conversation, um, somebody triggers something in you. I think some of our thoughts Sometimes God just drops a little thought in our brain, right? I want you to think about this. And I think sometimes our enemy does the same thing. Hey, here's a thought for you. And and they just sort of fill up our heads. The the key here is that our thoughts aren't neutral. Our thoughts aren't neutral. They have um, what Ortberg suggests is kind of like a charge, right? They're, they're They're either positive or they're negative. And maybe the best way to think of that charge is uh, they either direct us, I would say they direct us upward or they direct us inward. All of our thoughts direct us upward or they direct us inward. And the challenge for the people of God is to say, hey, um, which of my thoughts are, are getting the most, the most airtime? Uh, because it's really easy, I think, to say, as a Christian, yeah, I think about Jesus sometimes, right? I mean, I uh, I go to church on Sundays, and I think about Jesus, and, and maybe I say a prayer in the morning, and I think about Jesus, um, but then all those other things start crowding Him out, right? And, and, I, and I worry about my family, or I worry about my work, or I, I obsess about my video game, or I obsess about that significant other that I like or don't like. Um, and yeah, I thought about Jesus, but He's kind of overwhelmed Um, and the sea of thoughts that are inward-focused. 
Um, come with me again to the story of Cain. I think this is what's going on with Cain. Uh, the story of Cain and Abel is a really interesting one because um, even though Cain is the first murderer, the, 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 the first thing Cain does wrong is not murder his brother. The first thing he does wrong is in his head. So, so Cain brings an offering to God and Abel brings an offering to God. God likes one, doesn't like the other. So far, Cain has done nothing wrong. He doesn't do anything wrong. It's not like God said, don't bring me this kind of offering. God just liked one better. And then God goes to Cain. He says, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Cain, I can, I can see the direction your mind is going. I can see the direction your thoughts are going. Um, sin is lurking at your door. It's desirous for you, but you must master it. God's saying, Cain, at this moment, this is the crossroads where you get to choose um, what thoughts you're going to focus on. Uh, it's often been said that there are, um, there's a huge difference between a thought and a temptation and a sin, right? So, uh, um, a thought just pops in your head. It's not good. Um, it's not a sin or not a sin. It might be, it might be upward focused or inward focused, but it's not a sin, right? So, if, if Cain has the thought, boy, I'm upset with my brother, that's just a thought. The temptation comes, hey, um, I, I could get even with my brother. I could punish him for what he did. Um, but even the temptation is a sin. A sin is when I decide to act on it, right? Even in my head, it's the inclination to go with it. Maybe at work or at school, um, you've had the experience of somebody you don't really like very much, uh, and you've imagined them walking across the office or walking across the classroom, and you're like, boy, I just don't like that guy. Um, and, and, and the thought, I don't like that guy, that's not sin. Right? And then the temptation comes. I wish there was something really cutting I could say that would put that person in their place. And everybody would, would be like, yeah, that's right. You get that guy. Okay, that temptation isn't sin either. It becomes sin when I, when I begin to dwell on the thought, yeah, I would really like that. And I'd probably make him cry. And then people would laugh at him. And then I would be cool. And he'd be, right? It's when I, it's when I begin to obsess over it. Or as Louis Giglio says, when I entertain the thought. That's when thought becomes temptation, becomes sin. And, and what the Lord is trying to say to Cain is, you can change gears right now. Right? The thought has come and the temptation has come, but you don't have to give in to it yet. You don't have to let it rule you. Um, you can't control all the thoughts you have, but you can control all that you do with those thoughts. And so you can say, boy, I... Um, I really enjoy this negative thought, this inward thought. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus on that for a long time. Right? Or you can say, no, I don't want to go there. So, last night was a tough night uh, for some people. I, I don't want to get into the details of why it was a tough night. If it was bad for you, you know why. Um, but I just want to say that Saturday nights are an important part of my spiritual life because I'm usually trying to memorize my sermon and I'm um, trying to get my head in a space of worship. And I don't know, around, let's say, 10.30 or so last night, I wasn't in a good headspace. Um, and so I had, um, you know, I, I, I get a little passionate about sports, and so I'm up and complaining and making lists of all the things that people theoretically could have done better to win the game. And I, I had to pause myself and say, say, God, I, I need to refocus. 
God, uh, I can tell um, that I am spiraling around something that doesn't really matter that much. Um, and, and if you would please help me to just stop thinking about this game and start thinking about my sermon and worship and Jesus, um, it would really be helpful for me a lot. And boy, it just turned my night around. And that's what Paul's talking about in 2 Corinthians, right? Where he says, we take captive every thought in obedience to Christ. He's saying, hey, in that moment, you don't control every thought that runs through your head, but you can control what you do with those thoughts. And it's actually possible to take an inward thought and make it an upward one if you take it captive for Christ. Um, Simple illustration, uh, as, as a guy, a beautiful, beautiful woman walks by and you say, boy, there's a beautiful woman. There's a thought. Not a sin, not even a temptation. Then um, the temptation comes back, boy, uh, I'd like to think more about how beautiful she is. Okay, now I'm getting in dangerous territory. And then I have this choice. Um, do I entertain the thought? Do I bring it in and, and dwell with it and sit with it and enjoy every way that thought might make me think and feel? Or do I say, no, I want to take that captive for Christ. Do I say, ah, Lord, thank you for letting me see beauty, because I know all beauty comes from you. And thank you for reminding me about how beautiful your people are. And God, could I please see everyone today as beautiful and special as, as you see them, as I saw that one person, right? Can I, can I take that thought and make it captive to Christ and turn it from an inward to an upward, right? To, to simply um, begin to, to make them positive thoughts. That's this work that Paul's talking about, about taking captive every thought for Christ. Um, by the way, um, when we start to do this, um, we find um, that instead of obsessing over our inward thoughts, we can start obsessing over our upward ones. Thomas Watson says, the first fruit of love is the musing of the mind upon God. He who is in love, his thoughts are ever upon the object. God is the treasure, and where the treasure is, there is the heart. By this we may test our love to God. What are our thoughts most upon? Can we say we are ravished with delight as we think upon God? Have our thoughts got wings? Are they fled aloft? Do they contemplate Christ and glory? Boy, what if, I don't control every thought I have, but what if I took captive those thoughts that were inward and tried to bring them back to Jesus. What if I, I had those upward thoughts that came along and said, boy, I really want to dwell on this. I want to think about how blessed I am, how good my God is, how incredible this relationship is, how amazing the, the work of Christ. And the, what if I just began to dwell on that over and over and over again, like I dwell on a team losing a football game? How different would my mind be? How different would my identity be? Um, there are really simple things we do to make this happen. Uh, listening to Christian music um, means dwelling on God. Right? Doing daily devotionals means dwelling on God. Memorizing Scripture means dwelling on God. Uh, John Ortberg says uh, that if you can worry, then you can meditate, right? Because Meditating is just reverse worrying. It's obsessing about something good instead of obsessing about something bad. This is what it means to renew your mind, is to take captive all your inward thoughts and to dwell on all your upward thoughts till you find yourself thinking about and with Jesus all the time.
By the way, this is hard. It takes a lot of practice. But it is perhaps the most transforming thing we can do. Uh, okay, briefly, I want to talk about feelings. Um, now, briefly, because I only have a little bit, little bit of time, but also because I'm not good at feelings. Um, I had some friends in the past used to call me Mr. Spock because I, I, I don't know what I'm feeling and I, I just, I don't do emotions well, right? And my wife would probably echo that. Um, but but I, I want to say um, that feelings, even more than thoughts, shape our identity. Um, and yet we have even less control over them. Feelings aren't good or bad, right? They, they don't have um, upward or inward um, qualities to them, but they can um, point us in different directions. They're like the, the soundtrack to a movie, right? Ever watched a movie and the story seems to be going really, really well, but the music behind is really negative and you know, boy, bad things are going to come? Um, that's how feelings work, right? They're, they're powerful because they, they don't just affect a moment, they creep into other moments. Um, I get angry at um, something at work, uh, and then that feeling stays with me. And when I come home, even though no one at home has done anything to make me angry, I'm angry at the people at home because it just sticks with me. It's like the background music of my life. Uh, and so, I think one of the critical things for us as the people of God is to recognize um, that we have to have some awareness of those feelings and some awareness of where they're leading us to. Uh, Don Simpson says, many cannot envision who they would be without the angers, fears, lusts, power plays, bitterness, depressive moods, and inner wounds that have prisoned them for, imprisoned them for so long. That the, the power of our emotions, good and bad, is that um, they can uh, seep into every aspect of our life. Um, there's, a, there's a children's book that my family and I have been reading called Spy School. Actually, there's like nine of them, and we've read all of them. And um, in those children's books, there's a character named Ashley Sparks, okay? Ashley Sparks is a gymnast. Um, all these characters are like teenage spies. They're all like 12 or 13, and they're saving the world and defusing nuclear bombs, the normal 12 or 13-year-old things. And uh, Ashley Sparks is a gymnast. She turns to evil because um, at a particular gymnastics competition to get onto the Olympic team, she stuck a landing and the judges said she didn't. Uh, and that one horrible thing um, made her so angry uh, that she's willing to do, like, set off bombs and kill people, right? Because she's so angry about that emotion, uh, about that betrayal. And, and the, the challenge for us is to recognize um, that even though feelings aren't good or bad, they can lead us to good or bad places. Um, so we're called to identify our feelings and um, ask whether they are the soundtrack that we want. And Galatians 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, boy, that's the soundtrack I'd like to have going on in my life as often as possible. And so, um, what can I do to live into that soundtrack? Uh, Tony Evans says, emotions should be the caboose, not the engine. I, oh, no, I said it backwards. Yeah, I said it right. Okay, they should be the caboose, not the engine. Um, and I really love this idea that um, 
I can't totally control my emotions, but they need to follow where I lead them. There's an old story of a woman who came to a pastor, um, unbelievably angry at her husband. This could have been a man with his wife, whatever, but um, comes to a pastor, unbelievably angry at her husband, uh, and she says, uh, I don't just want to get rid of my husband, I want to get even. Before I divorce him, I want to hurt him as much as he had hurt me. This pastor had an interesting idea. He said, okay, I've got a, I've got a plan for you. Go home and act as if you really love your husband. Tell him how much he means to you. Praise him for every decent trait. Find opportunities uh, to make him feel loved and special and important to you. And then after you've done that for a while and you're, he's really high on your love, then you divorce him. You pull the rug out from under him. It'll really show him who's boss. And so the wife says, oh yeah, that'll be great. I'm going to get him. So she goes home and she does everything the pastor suggested. He doesn't hear from her and he doesn't hear from her. So finally, after a couple months, he calls her and he says, hey, how's it going? Are you ready to divorce your husband yet? She says, oh no, it turns out I really love him after all um, and I'm excited to stay with him. Of course, right? Because we can't control our emotions but they're supposed to be the caboose and not the engine. We can direct them with our choices and with our thoughts, right? We can direct our mind to be the people we want to be. Now, I think about Jesus and I think, um, I, I don't think, I know there are times where Jesus felt overwhelmingly depressed and overwhelmingly alone. I, I know there are times when Jesus felt like the world was all against Him because it was. I know there are times where he was angry or frustrated, and all of those emotions lived in him, but somehow he found a way to keep them as the caboose, right? to say with his choices and with his thoughts, he would direct his mind back to God. And that's our job. Right? You are what you choose to think about. You are what you allow yourself to feel over and over again. To have the same mind that was in Christ Jesus means to bring your thoughts and your feelings to Jesus and ask Him to turn them upward so that you may be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Thanks be to Him. Amen.